Today on How I Scale My Team, we're excited to host Micha Kaufman, co-founder and CEO of Fiverr, the world's largest and fastest growing marketplace for digital services. He's also an angel investor, partner at Circa VC, a startup mentor, and a contributor at Twired and Forbes. And beyond everything, he's actually my boss right now. So I'm super <laughs> excited to have you here with us, Micha. Thanks for coming over. Sitting here uh, with both of Thanks for having bosses. me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's double. Double so, trouble. I have, I have so many. Be- before we dive in, Micha... Um, Can you share us with us like two minutes about your background, what you've done before Fiverr? Um, and then, you know, I'll, I'll kind of walk the audience through. Sure. So um, I've been an entrepreneur for almost 20 years. Um, Fiverr is my fourth company and actually being an entrepreneur is my second career. I, uh, I started my career many, many years ago um, as a lawyer. Boo. Boo. Yeah. I'm, I'm, We had I'm, so many lawyers yeah. here. I'm, I'm clean. I'm clean for 20 years. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so I don't know if it counts. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of the, the short version of my career. That's a pretty um, brief uh, version of your career. You know, yeah. um, just to give my perspective on, on what Mich has done, you know, tw- 12, 13 years ago, you started um, Fiverr with a concept that was Um, I don't know, revolutionary back then, or maybe wild, insane, irresponsible, going after a market that didn't exist as your fourth company not going safe. Uh, so that, that was unique. Um, and we'll go through kind of what, what it took to, to build Fiverr, what decisions you made along the way, and where you see the markets heading. Uh, what do you think, Rami? Um, you know, yes, you mentioned that Fiverr was uh, founded 12 years ago. So back then there was no gig economy, um, a term that now is super, you know, normal and we hear it every day um but today one of actually three out of Americans is freelancing in some capacity um and in your eyes how do you see the freelance revolution evolve through the past like 12 years walk us through it from mm. the beginning until what's going on right now yeah it's pretty incredible you know when um when, when the idea to, to um uh, to start a company um came to life this was probably mid or late 2009. I was looking at the uh, macro environment um, at how the maybe the the workspace was was changing and I think I think I didn't have the uh, the wisdom that I have now in hindsight to be to be honest but um, it was it was pretty it was pretty obvious that something was happening and the the fast forward of it was that, that this was the millennials that were entering uh, the workplace and what happened was that at that time, Freelancing was probably slightly less than 20 percent of the American workforce. And um, freelancing in general was, was something that people did in between jobs, not, not as a career. But, but we, have a, we had a different thesis around it, and, and we thought that 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 cohort is going to be massive um, and is, is going to change how uh, work is done. But this was again, this was 12 years ago. So, um, so these were just hints. And what we wanted to, uh, to do is really to um, make talent widely available, make the world slightly flatter in, in the sense of, of being able to uh, provide access to the global talent because talent is global and there, there's incredible pockets of talent all around the world in sometimes in the, in the countries you would least expect. Um, and, and we wanted to liberate that. We, we wanted to make that accessible. But we also, also wanted to make the, the experience of, of working with a freelancer as easy as, as shopping online on an, on an e-commerce platform, which was, I mean, 
you know, Shachar uh, gave a few uh, superlatives about uh, about about the idea of Fiverr. It was largely ridiculed at the beginning. I mean, the, the, probably the first ten or twenty people that I told the idea to said that it was either stupid or too <laughs> crazy to um, to succeed. Which, by the way, just fueled me to um, to, push, to push harder. <laughs> but 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 I think that that, that idea um, was. Was 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 pretty novel, pretty uh, pretty early on, but right now. Um, so if if I look at at a decade perspective, um, I would say that the the 2010s have um, been a decade where freelancing had be, had become um, a career, right? Um, so it's no longer something that people necessarily do in between jobs. It's it's a it's a career decision. But it's also a lifestyle decision because it it comes with it comes with uh, pros and cons, obviously. Um, but I think it fits it fits the generation that started it. Um, and I think that what we're seeing now in the 2020s, and probably we're going to talk about this, but it is is the decade in which um, because so many people are involved in freelancing, you know, it's statistics. Um, speaks about the fact that by the end of this decade, 2030, over 50% of American workforce are going to be freelancing, which, which is incredible. Um, but, but that means that 50% of talent is not going to be available for full-time hire, right. which means that we, we need to have mechanisms. We need to have, we need to have a system of how to integrate that talent um, into, uh, into workflows. Um, and, and, so w- yeah. with that, Micha, um, you know, again, um, being part of Fiverr now and obviously looking um, outside into Fiverr before we became part of the company. Um, obviously, impressive company. You've built it from nothing to a few billion dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. But I think what's most, um, you know, what I'm most, as an entrepreneur myself, you know, you learn to appreciate uh, how difficult it is starting something from nothing and turning it into, you know, building a team and then, you know, um, making your first uh, half a million dollars and a million dollars in revenue and then 10 million. It's, it's so difficult climbing up that mountain, obviously getting to a 1,200 people company. Super complicated. But I think what's most Im- impressive is the fact that, and I don't know if most uh, of the Fiverr employees in the ecosystem recognizes, is a lot of the trends that we're talking about in the last two decades are kind of embodied in how Fiverr operates. It's, you know, uh, the world is flat, to your point. I mean, Fiverr literally has helped take, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars and move them from Western countries to globally and kind of flattening the world to give everybody equal opportunity. Um, it changed the economy again, helping freelancing become more mainstream. Um, it helped companies move a lot faster because now they can, um, you know, outsource more digital services. And so obviously without, uh, you know, I'm not even going to ask you, but I doubt you, you, you even thought and recognized that's what's going to happen when you started the company to that extreme. Uh, but now that you do and you look, um, you know, five, ten years into the future, how do you foresee the freelancing economy um, evolving over the next five to ten years? Yeah, um, what's really interesting is is the acceleration that we've experienced because of the pandemic at the beginning of of uh, it, it coincided with the, the beginning of the decade. Um, I think that everything we're seeing right now w- would have probably happened anyway, but it was compressed into the first two years of of the decade and. And everything we probably thought would take 10 years to happen would more likely take five or three years even. Um, so 
the, the point that I was making earlier is that if so many talented pe- people are involved in, in uh, are, or are becoming independent talent, that means that organization w- would, would have to rethink the way they work with talent in general. Um, and, I, and I think the, the way we think about this is, is that organizations of the future are going to be more of the type of um, organic organizations rather than structural. And, um, um, you know, the, the, the term organic organization uh, was termed in the late 50s, mm. right? Um, and and this, th- th- this is actually um, describing organizations that have deep appreciation for outside talent um, um, and are less um, structural meaning that um, they're more agile, uh, they're flatter by design. Um, and, and that, I think, will allow organizations to think about um, including talent wherever talent is. And if there's something, I, I think, um, super interesting about what happened with the pandemic is the fact that, um, you know, at, at, at the beginning of um, 2020, Overnight, the entire world went into lockdown. And all of a sudden, when you think about organizations, when you think about businesses, all of a sudden they lost control over their um, employee time, right? Like, our physics is limited by, by yeah. space and time, right? So, Which, by the way, when, even when you say that, it's insane to think that uh, two years ago people... When I say people, organization management thought they control people's oh, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what was my thought. Yeah. I'm like, somebody control my time? Yes, yeah, somebody control my time in no, everyday life and, it, and structure it, and everything. It, it, <laughs> it gets crazier because, because one, there's the false notion that you control people's time. But then there's something even more fundamental, which is the idea or the illusion that you own your employees, mm-hmm. right? The, the full-time social construct gives the false notion that you control your employees. But if you look at statistics, the av- let's take high-tech, for example. The, the average tenure of a high-tech employee is 1.8 years. That's not ownership of anything, okay? But, but the point that I was making is overnight, everybody lost control over people's time. And that made, I, I think... Um, organizations think about the fact that maybe we're measuring things in the wrong way. Maybe time is not the ultimate measure. Maybe output is. Maybe contribution, maybe impact. So less focus on, on time and control, more focus on impact. And if you think about that, and if, if your entire um, employee, and entire um, workforce is working remote, why would you not consider having independent talent that can contribute massively to your goals and integrate that into your organization? So I think organizations that are not going to do that within two, three, five years are going to be left behind. This is critical. So I'm going to like ask it like straight to the point. Is traditional employment dead? Absolutely, yes. I, I think it's a matter of Wow, I think it's a matter of uh, of of five to ten years, and it it depends on on how traditional um the industry is. I think that within high tech, 
it's going to happen super fast, probably five years or, or less. In the less in, in the more traditional um, space, it might take slightly longer, but I think that definitely the um, the, the the old social constructs of, of how you do agreements with with talent that you work with is going to change forever. Uh, I have to say, I'm not in full agreement with Micha on this. I think that we're going to see a significant rise in the number of you know freelancing and and the budgets going that way. I don't think we're going to see f- full-time employment dead. I think we're going to see it shrinking to the 30 f- to 50%. I don't well, that know. Could, that could happen. I mean, th- th- that by itself means it's dead or or it's in the process of dying. It's half alive. I mean, yeah. I, yeah, I don't think I don't think that um, e- even in high tech within, within five years, it's not going to exist. But I think that as a leading model yep. of of work it's probably it's it's probably going to lose its its place and i think that i think that the organizations are probably going to think about um core competency versus uh periphery meaning um every business has its as its very unique core and that could that could be um a very specific piece of technology that could be service um, that could be a design of a specific product, but but that is the core, and and that may um, sometimes require having people that are going to be hundred percent dedicated, and and also uh, people that are going to become specialists over time within the organization, and that makes sense. Um, whether um, the agreement with them is going to be the traditional full time, I don't know. Um, I I. I tend to think that we're going to see we're going to see many more models popping up. Mm-hmm. But I think that beyond the core competency, there's going to be a lot of um, the more periphery type of talent that really you don't have to have uh, full time. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you think about it, um, the mall of employment that we're currently seeing or experiencing mostly this full time employment has been around for about a century. So if you go back to the 19, 1920s in the United States, everyone was freelancing. There was no full-time employment. Full-time employment, the way we know it now, started, I think it's 1923. Uh, probably mistaken, maybe a bit later. But somewhere around the Great Recession, after all of a sudden, the government had to pay out millions and millions of people that were out of job. And then they founded the Social Security Act. That means you people need to have social security and insurance because what happens if they lose their job? Yeah. And then what got us into this employment mall? Again, in the U.S., it's an entire conundrum with uh, health insurance and everything that has to do with it. And that's why people stick to full-time jobs. But if you start breaking that out and um, the growth over the last, uh, I'd say, three decades with the knowledge economy, well, all of a sudden it's like, well, guess what? You're not going to break your leg because you're not working in a factory. So, so, so and, yeah. and people have access to information so they can control their own finance and plan their own retirement and so forth, then really do we still need this employment model where that my company takes care of my future? It's like, no, most likely I can take care of my own future. I don't need a company to own me in order for me to have a retirement. Yeah, but it also has an impact on how we feel as people and our community. And a lot of, of us feel really related and you know attached to the companies and the brands we work at. And it's going to change also because if I don't have that attachment anymore... So what does it mean about me? What does it mean about... So I'll I'll ask you, um, you know, funny (laughs) that you're here in the room. It's like, do you feel, um, and I I know who you live with, it's like the fact that you don't have an established relationship. Does that mean there is a problem in the relationship? You feel differently just because there's no contract in place. 
no, it doesn't mean anything. Avi doesn't mean anything. <laughs> but um, no, but I think that a lot of people today have a strong relationship with the place that they work at. You can, um, still, and you can still have that relationship. Exactly. That's exactly no, what I'm in, saying. In a, different, in a different perspective, in Agreed. a different way. Uh, by the way, I think it's, it's even, if you think about relationship, it even strengthens the relationship because you choose to be there every day. And if you don't like it anymore, it's like move on. Exactly. So, you know, while many small businesses and solopreneurs and even freelancers themselves have really learned how to leverage, um, you know, the extensive freelance talent available and what we've been talking about, but it appears that, you know, the gospel has not made it um, into corporates. And many, you know, executives and managers and companies today are not really, you know, leveraging all the amazing things that we have been talking about. Why is that, Micha? Agreed. I mean... Yeah, I, I think the um, um, probably the reason is that larger ships takes longer to uh, to change course. Um, and and usually, uh, you know, when you look at enterprise businesses, they're they're most likely to be last to adopt um, new technologies and new solutions. And I think that this is this is what's happening. And I think, Um, it, it's mostly due to the fact that people are used to work in, in a in a certain way and it takes time to disrupt that um, that way of working and people are um, you know I think pretty um, uh, resistant to change but I think that this is changing because because again if if half of the talent in the world um, is not going to be interested in, in in being full-time employed then you companies would, would would be forced to to think in a new way about about talent and I think that the companies that are doing it or starting to do it right now and and there's I mean all kinds of funny titles uh, popping up like the chief freelancing officer and stuff like that but but essentially this is this is the future of a of a of, of a chief people chief talent whatever mm-hmm. it is yeah for um, just had an article that uh, Uh, chief or VP future of future of work something like that that is you know <laughs> whatever but, yeah. but but the bottom line is companies that are not going to start doing this change are going to suffer in I would say two years from now I think they're already are Micha I'm we're, we're selling to companies I had a conversation last week with a company that told us uh, not to name they have 400 open headcount they can't hire because exactly. it's like you know you can't find the right talent and by the way we didn't talk about this but I'd love to hear your point um, I think part of the change that we're seeing is the pace of change so the people that you yep. needed three years ago don't have the skills that you need tomorrow and so how do that impact if I hire a full-time employee it's like you know I'll, t- I'll take Rome as an example two years ago I would hire someone into marketing that knows how to do brand and maybe design and maybe some uh, um, you know social media and Now I need someone that knows how to build a podcast like it's 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 not necessarily the same skills yeah um, I'll I'll make an analogy that that um, has some um, has some problematic aspects to it because it, you, you compare computers to human beings um, but I think that in in um, to, to your point I think that what we're witnessing right now um, has a lot of similarities between um, um, hosted computing and cloud computing as an example right um w- w- I mean uh, you know w- we've been in this business for for a long time so I remember the the days in which we hosted our servers which is and it took you um, six to eight weeks to actually get a new server up and running right and then and then it it became old within three months 
right? W- which is kind of your correlation to uh, to, to people's um, people's skills and, and knowledge. Not to make the the exact uh, the exact um, uh, comparison, but but essentially the the move from in-house ownership of your CPU computing and outsourcing it and um, and thinking about cloud computing as, as something you can just plug into um, and get access to the latest, best, fastest, or whatever you're looking for, which may not be the fastest, latest, maybe you're more uh, budget constrained um, or you're, it's just not important for you. I think that this is in a way very similar to what we're seeing with talent, right? The movement from owning talent or or at least uh conceptually <laughs> yeah or 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 being delusional about um owning talent versus um tapping into talent or or connecting to it and and again we we've talked about the fact that the talent is global and uh, you know if you look at um US statistics right now about 56% of all jobs in the US can be done at least partially remotely right and this is just going to increase because most of the labor jobs are going to be replaced by automation, um, which is, by the way, a, a huge concern uh, for me. Like I'm, I'm thinking, truck driver is the is the is the most popular job in yep. the U.S. Right? Which is truck my, drivers, nurses, yeah, right. Um, autonomous cars. What what would we do with all the truck drivers if they're not starting to get educated right now for the for future? the next thing that they're going to do? Yeah, this is this is going to be terrible. Right. This it's it's going to be a generation of 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 people that are going to be left behind, and a lot of them are in rural areas where connectivity is is you know infrastructure is yeah. is is less great. Um, um, so 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 I think that there's there's going to be a lot of you know societal and cultural uh, changes, but in essence. I think that that the correlation between that and what we've seen with cloud computing is is probably the best. The best. I, I love the analogy. You know, I, um, I was fortunate to work in the space. Um, you know, fourteen years ago, um, thirteen years ago is when when Amazon came out with EC two, and I remember when we had conversations with the large corporates, with the enterprises, the Bank of Americas, the AIGs, and talking to them about um, moving to EC two. And the response was commonly, it's like, we'll never run on Amazon. It's too risky, data privacy, performance issues we can't control. IT will never let us. Um, and I think it was about you know, two or three years later uh, when I think what the pendulum moved, I think when the CIA kind of signed, you remember that big contract with Amazon, that was like a $600 million build an AWS cloud for the CIA. And then all everybody's like, wait, if CIA can run their data on it, Maybe we can run it as a bank as well. There's always it, the first player that makes the move, and if it's the and CIA, then every, <laughs> and, and then everyone can uh, can move in that space. And and I think the same thing we're seeing. And I agree with Micha. I think that you know we started seeing small players starting to use freelancers because they needed something here or there. And then it's oh, it actually works. I'll do a little more and do a little more. And at some point, it became like a flood. It's like okay, there's so many things we can do out there. It helps us move faster. Helps helps us be more uh, budget efficient, helps us achieve more, and, it's like, and all of a sudden becomes mainstream within the organization. So I'm, um, I like the analogy. I'm, I'm not going to confirm or deny that the CIA is using our <laughs> service. <laughs> <laughs> so, Micha, you have been 
literally shaping um, the flexible freelance economy for 12 years. Um, what role does Fiverr play in the current revolution? Um, we, we talked about it a little bit in the beginning, but, you know, what's Fiverr's role right now? Yeah. So, so um, I think the, uh, the, the point that I was making earlier was the fact that as the, the way we've uh, designed the platform uh, made it very inclusive. Um, and made it very flat in the sense that um, it eliminates a lot of the biases that people have when they try to work with each other. As an example, um, female talent on Fiverr makes about 10% more than male, which is, I don't know why, why that is, probably because they're smarter uh, more talented, uh, and know how and to hard, manage their hard, time better and <laughs> hardworking. Um, but the reality is that those types of biases, um, gender, age, um, geography, uh, ethnicity, geography, um, have, have been largely removed from the equation, which is, which have opened up, um, an, an exchange of talent that is very unique. Um, in, in, and this has changed the lives of millions of people around the world. And it's just the beginning. But when, when we think about when we think about this role, I think that what we've done is we've built the infrastructure and the building blocks of what would become a much, much larger platform that will enable this this future of work that we're actually experiencing it's it's not even the future it's, it's right now yeah. it's right now but it's it's a platform that would allow this um um this integration of talent into workflows of any business and and, and this is why i'm so excited because i think i mean the um the comparison that i was always making in the past 12 years is is with the e-commerce right B because a lot of what we've done is we we've Brought the simplicity. We we, we took we took a very complex problem. Um, we, we took a market with with high friction and low efficiency, and we using software we, we've eliminated uh, those challenges. And, um, and and it's very exciting because because building on that infrastructure, um, you you can design a system that makes that integration so simple and, and can include um, so much incredible talent that we have um, all around the world. And as a, as a business enablement, um, we, we've seen, you know, the, the history of Fiverr is what we started with, with small and medium-sized businesses. And over time, we're now serving a lot of the Fortune 500s of the world. But if you think about small businesses, for small businesses, th this is do or die, right? For them, and this is why they're the first adopters always, mm -hmm. because they don't they don't have any any choice. They don't have the luxury of choice. So I think I you know I'm, I'm super excited about where where this could could actually take us, um, and 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 it's just the beginning. And and so the analogy with with e-commerce was that even though we understand the benefits of of e-commerce, I mean for us as a, as a generation, it's pretty obvious. But I remember when when eBay and Amazon just started. You know, the e-commerce version of eBay at the beginning was that they, if you purchase something, knickknacks or Binny Babies or whatever, they would send you an envelope 
to your house where you would put coins and you would send like this was this was like the the first version of of e-commerce right it took it took over two decades for e-commerce to reach um 10 of commerce and it it increased commerce massively by just you know just uh just enabling um uh, more of that but but it takes time so we have the patience um you know we've been we've been super fast growing for for over a decade but i think that this is this is the slow part <laughs> to to uh you know shahar's point i mean once it tips once once the cia comes in <laughs> um um then it's just you know it be, it becomes an unstoppable uh, force of 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 nature and 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 i think that uh, we and i can say we because we're 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 one now we're one family um are in the right time um in in the right place um with with the right solutions and the right understanding of of how that change um is taking place so this is why i'm i'm super excited and I'm, and i think we have a role in 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 also helping educate the market the market but both I mean when we think about talent from the talent side you know we're we're not just a platform that that connects people or businesses I think we're we're more than that and I think when we think about talent if if freelancing is a career then you you need to think about career advancement you need to think about professional education about training and about opportunities um So, so so we think about that holistically because it, because it, again this is going to be 50% of US talent in in no time right and 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 globally uh probably very similar um uh in 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 pretty much the same the same time and the same goes for businesses i mean th- this is why i'm so concerned about businesses that are taking this approach that that businesses took many years ago about cloud computing which is to resist it and say oh this will never happen and then Lo and behold, yeah, the never ha- that never happens always happens. <laughs> always happens. Yeah. By the way, to your point, and I think it's a it's a great point to the people that are choosing their career. Uh, depends on your stage of career. I was interviewing someone um, earlier in the week, um, and she spent her last well her entire career twenty years in the same um, large public traded company. Um, super smart, super capable, and I was like, doesn't matter if you join us or not. At the end of it, you got to move out. You spent your twenty years in the same company. This is a career limiting move. The entire world is built now on the ability to adapt, move around, and readjust. If you spend your entire career, your entire future, your um economic security depends on the company's decision. It's not your own anymore. Yeah. If you don't have the ability to reinvent yourself, it's like someone else is going to determine your future, yeah, and I think that this is this is you know all the more. accelerate right now with the entrance of Gen Z into the work into the workplace so if the 2010s have been about Millennials the 2020s are going to be about Gen Z um and, and these are generations that are completely redefining you know the concept of work yep. uh, entirely so um so yeah everybody better adopt and, and become agile because th- this is the future so with that first of all I will I will con- congratulate your own uh gen Z baby Fiverr is gonna turn 12 uh, very <laughs> shortly so it's a very happy birthday Thank you. um it's amazing next year bar mitzvah yeah probably we'll work on it so last question Micha 
Um, and kind of moving away from Fiverr for a second, before you started Fiverr, you built three other companies, different spaces. Yep. Um, none of them were as successful as Fiverr, obviously. Right. Um, would love to hear kind of what's your take? What's What's been different about Fiverr? What were your learning? How did you build the company differently? Yeah. Um, I, I, I think... I think a lot of the um the the success of Fiverr has been lowering the rate of of uh, of mistakes uh based on the tremendous amount of mistakes that I've done in the previous three companies um uh, and it's I, I don't even know where to start um it's its own podcast yeah probably for, <laughs> so, so first of all first of all I should say that 20 years ago when 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 I decided to uh, leave my practice and 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 start my first company none of what exists now in terms of knowledge existed um in, in a in a widely accessible manner um there weren't books about entrepreneurship um there was no online knowledge Quora didn't exist um uh, Google was I mean um in its infancy um so there's So it, it was very naive, um, uh, almost childish, right, uh, in, in, in how we started companies at that time. And so we had no idea about how to, how to build uh, companies, how to nurture culture, how to raise money, um, how to attract talent. And every, every one of these topics are topics in which I've made decisions. A ton of mistakes and I think that those mistakes and 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 I've accumulated experience in working with like raising money in any any possible you know means from friends and family through um investors locally and internationally to VCs and I've and and you make you you make a ton of mistakes or you know over time and I think I I think what made Fiverr better is just i I took the time to actually sit down and write my my uh my lessons and and with the with a very strong decision of not making the same mistakes twice because that's pretty stupid um which is by the way our approach to everything we do right now and and by the way, when I say I lowered my mistake rate, it's probably lowering it from i don't know ninety percent to eighty five but but those five percent may make a whole difference. Um, and it's the same approach that we have. I mean, we're extremely experimental as a as a company, as a team. Um, we don't punish uh, uh, people that are making mistakes. Uh, we celebrate mistakes or uh, uh, the learnings that we have from those mistakes, and we share them widely so we spare ourselves from making the same mistakes twice. but but this is this is kind of the culture. Um, and And I think this has this has been this has been the biggest change and I think again you know the first company that I started I was I was in my I don't know, uh, late 20s or 30s and uh early 30s and 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 you know uh after three companies and and uh, and, and 10 years um uh you you accumulate some some gray hair and uh, and a little bit of wisdom and I think that that helps I usually lose her not, not, yeah. it doesn't come great yeah it becomes great and you lose it which is this is even terrible 
yeah so that that's that's kind of i think i think the difference um and then it, it's the scope of the idea and the uh, framework in in which you think about ideas and and leading into fiverr i i've developed my own framework about like what should i do next and and i, and I think this is it's very useful and i've talked about this many times and the framework was look at a, a large very large market that is already established you don't need to educate anything anyone about the market that has intrinsic high friction and, and low efficiency and if you if you can solve this with software then you maybe have something and what i just described is airbnb uh for hospitality uber uh for transportation amazon for commerce and and Expedia and for online for and, flight, right, which is yeah. I mean it's it's a huge market. It's not organized well. Um, it's it's full of friction, low efficiency, and you can you can build software that can that that would actually eliminate that. And I think that having a framework in in how I thought about idea about about ideas or challenges that I wanted to tackle made a huge difference. Um, yeah. Wow, time flew by really fast. <laughs> it was a fascinating conversation. Thank you, Micha, for being here. Thanks for having me. Guys. It was fun and an honor. Um, so to all of our listeners, thank you very much for being here and continue to follow us. Always check out when the new episode is up on the air. I and Shahar are already excited for our next episode on How I Scale My Team. Thanks for being here. Thanks.